Hello and welcome to the Start Over Coffee podcast. My name is Shaquilla Smith and I lead the community and marketing here at Start. Start Over Coffee is all about having conversations with creators in the Salt Lake City area. And for this episode, we'll be interviewing Chloe Duckworth, who is a student entrepreneur at USC. She is also the co-founder and CEO at Vibrant Vibrations and Hope Hearted. So Balance Vibrations is a sensory substitution app that translates the emotional sentiment of speech into unique vibrations onto a wrist band and Hope Hearted is a nonprofit aiming to bridge the access gap in COVID-19 sanitary supplies to unhoused populations in the Bay Area. So we'll be discussing her journey as a student entrepreneur and what she is working on. Hey Chloe, how are you today? I'm doing well, how are you doing? Good, good. I am very excited to have you on the podcast and I'm excited to kind of learn more about what you're working on because you are working on some exciting things. Um, and so, yeah, <laughs> let's let's kind of start off the podcast that way. Awesome. Sounds great. Perfect. So tell us about yourself um, and kind of what you're working on. Yeah, so I'm currently a sophomore at USC. I'm studying computational neuroscience and philosophy. And I'm also a student entrepreneur. I've co-founded two organizations in the past year. Um, the first was called Hope Hearted, which is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that I created with a couple of friends and former high school volunteers in the midst of the pandemic um, last year. We created this organization to help keep unhoused and low-income populations in the Bay Area, my home, safe. So we um, essentially were trying to bridge the access gap in sanitary supplies to help prevent COVID outbreaks in unhoused populations who have both a greater risk of getting sick and less access to healthcare. And so we're distributing COVID sanitary supply kits at health clinics, shelters, and food banks. Um, and that's been a really fun project to work on and contribute to the community. I also created a startup um, company. I started last summer and we're incorporating right now actually as a public benefits corporation. It's called Valence Vibrations. And it's essentially a sensory augmentation product, which is helping improve emotional perception of different types of people with emotional communication barriers. And so we started with the neurodivergent population of autistic and ADHD people. And now we're expanding to lots of different types of communication barriers. Um, and I'm the co-founder and CEO of that organization. Awesome. That's so cool. It's crazy. When I first met you on the phone and um, getting to know you, I was amazed. Like being a student entrepreneur is so hard and having two companies, that's, that's so hard. And um, it just says so much about you, really. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I am. Um, I've always been a person that, that has to do a lot of things at once. And so um, when people ask, like, how do you do it? I, I ask how I could not um, when, <laughs> you know, there's really important problems that matter to me. And I have creative solutions that I really want to see out into the world. So um, I, I couldn't not do all of these things once I came up with the ideas. I love that. Um, so how did you start as an entrepreneur? What was like, how did you know you were one? Um, what, what was your early stages? Have you had a couple other journeys? Um, yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so, I mean, I never really envisioned wanting to be an entrepreneur, to be honest. I 
got into college on sort of a pre-med um, physician scientist track. I wanted to pursue an MD PhD degree and do um, research while practicing medicine. And um, I that sort of changed for me um, early last year, actually. I reconnected with an entrepreneur that I had met while I was in high school. His name is David Eagleman, and he created Neosensory, the company that we're now partnered with. Um, they create haptic wristband that we're using for our software. And um, I reconnected with him last summer and learned about an innovation challenge that they were holding to try to essentially create new software applications of their haptic technology, which currently was helping deaf people interpret sounds as vibrations, but they wanted to create new um, sensory input or data streams to express new types of information as vibrations. And so after connecting with him, I got really excited because this is, you know, the reason that I actually studied neuroscience in the first place. Um, when I met him back in high school, that was sort of my inspiration. And so I entered this innovation challenge with another friend from USC, and we came up with this idea of expressing emotions as vibrations. And we started, as I said, um, sort of focusing on autistic populations and have now sort of pivoted to a more general population. Um, but I think that that's really the first time that I considered wanting to be an entrepreneur. I had started my nonprofit before that, but I didn't really consider that um, an entrepreneurial pursuit, more as a community organizing grassroots organization pursuit, which I had been doing since um, high school and various community service initiatives that I had started. And so I didn't really feel entrepreneurial in nature, um, even though I've used a lot of the skills that I've learned in the process to help Hope Hearted um, get grants and things like that. Um, so that was sort of my, my journey with entrepreneurship. I think first and foremost, I'm interested in, in neuroscience and social impact. And I think entrepreneurship is a vehicle to enable me to do that. I love the way you put it. Um, there's a lot of, I think, entrepreneurs, right? They're, there's ones that didn't go to school and it's like, I, I'm really passionate about this project and I want to start it. And then there's, there's other entrepreneurs like you that have you know, a very small niche. And then they're like, oh, okay. I just want to start a company based off the small niche I'm really passionate about. Um, and I think it's so yeah. admirable. And I think I, I just love your story and the way you started and kind of how you made the connections align and um, social impacts hard. You know, it is a hard thing to do and you're seeing a problem and you're seeing a solution. And um, I think that's very admirable. Um, kind of, a question that popped into my mind is what what was like the point for you where you're like oh I can really create a business like I am a businesswoman <laughs> um because some I think you know some entrepreneurs even if they have a solution to a problem I think that's hard to to like um say to yourself because imposter syndrome yeah. is real you know so um yeah. what was like the thing that you're like I am a businesswoman I could do this <laughs> it's funny I, I think about this a lot actually I have lots of like mini moments where I say this to myself um sort of the, the critical juncture for me I think was this semester I actually took off from school I was on a leave of absence and in that process, I've been working full-time on valence pretty much. And, um, you know, just working for my own business this entire semester has really helped me um, accelerate valence at a much quicker pace than I think we could have without that time. And seeing all of these milestones 
come to light um, really quickly has been really inspiring to me. So we won a couple of big pitch competitions early 2021. Um, we just have a prototype that we've released and are now testing in the hands of real people. And I think those milestones really helped me see our progress and just how far we've come in such a short amount of time and, and you know, feel like I can do this. Um, I think it's definitely, especially as a student and as a female student, it's intimidating to be entering this world um, of much older, predominantly white men that are dominating the venture capital and business scene and, and sort of finding my own voice and my own space in that has been difficult. But I will say that I think I have a lot of great mentors that are helping me navigate and sort of guide this landscape, especially in neurotechnology, um, that have really helped along the way. That's amazing. Um, I love that. It is hard um, <laughs> being in like the business space in general for women. And yeah, I, I love that. Um, so you kind of mentioned mentors, but what are some other resources as a student entrepreneur you've utilized to help you um, kind of make those progress in those goals and what to do next? And um, really what has been a really good guide for you and um, resource? So I think um, one of the best resources that we had early on, we joined a couple of accelerators. Um, we started with sort of a school club at USC um, where there were other student entrepreneurs and working through that process with them was really helpful. Um, and, and hearing their business ideas and how they were pursuing them and sort of the, the actionable steps and milestones that they were mapping their progress um, by was really helpful. And then I think after that, we applied to a more um, developed accelerator, obviously, but in the innovation suite. And so that was um, a great program for us. It was called MEPC. Um, we were basically working with seasoned entrepreneurs who had some tie to USC. Um, a lot of them were investors, actually. And so that helped us sort of see our vision from a new light and understand how to guide our development and the sort of different incentives of different stakeholders within the entrepreneurial ecosystem. And so that helped us really understand how to um, you know, do user interviews, how to create our business model, how to think through the next year, year and a half of development before launching. Um, and that was hugely helpful. And a lot of those mentors are still guiding us along the way, even after that um, accelerator ended. And we actually got a little bit of funding from the accelerator too. So that was really helpful as well. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. I think accelerators could do a lot of help for for startups and especially student entrepreneurs, you know, I, um, I really think that's a really good way to just kickstart your, your program, um, and kind of what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I kind of want to go back a little bit cause you talked about kind of your purpose and your passion. Um, I want to kind of hit home with, uh, Balance and why you started it and Hope Hearted um, and what inspired you to start those two? So I think the inspiration for Hope Hearted especially came in high school. I had created a hospitality program at a local struggling hospital. The hospital had gone through, I think, three bankruptcies at this time um, and it was sort of continuously revamping itself and a lot of um, the 
nurses were overworked and understaffed. So um, it was really difficult for the patients in this hospital to receive the care that they deserved because of all these continuous changes. Um, and this was a hospital in a pretty low income community with a lot of unhoused people. And so this was one of the first times I really saw the huge um, access gap in healthcare, especially on house populations. And I basically created a hospitality program for teen volunteers to go into patient rooms, every room in the hospital, every unit, and check in on the patients, see if they needed any like tangible supplies, like extra soaps. Um, and that got us in the room. And then once we were there, we were able to assess if they were receiving the care that they deserved, if there were things that their nurses were forgetting to do that we could remind them to do, and in some cases advocate for them to receive more care um, if they felt their needs weren't being addressed by the hospital. And so that really helped me understand the, the prominent access gap in unhoused populations. We created a couple of closed closets um, and period projects to provide supplies to unhoused populations after they left the hospital. That was the first time I learned that a lot of unhoused patients are leaving the hospital in hospital gowns because they don't have clean clothes to leave in. Um, and so I grew really close to the unhoused community that was supported by this hospital in San Jose. And that carried me um, throughout the pandemic. I was thinking about this population. Um, we were no longer able to volunteer because the pandemic closed all volunteer programs in most hospitals. But we, um, me along with some of the volunteers that I trained to take over my position when I went to college, ended up creating Hope Hearted um, to sort of help this population in a new way, in, in a way that we were able to do. And we received some support from the local hospitals as well, and that really enabled us to get our start. Um, and that was where I first saw the, the need for this sort of social impact. I think for Valence, similarly, um, I started approaching the problem by just investigating the pain points of um, predominantly the autistic community, actually. I joined a lot of different Facebook groups and I started listening to the hashtag actually autistic voices on these groups and learned a lot about how there's um, not really a lot of advocacy for actually autistic voices in healthcare. And there's a lot of rhetoric saying that autism is a disease or a disorder that needs to be treated and cured. And the sort of um, standard of care, the gold standard in autism is a behavioral therapy called ABA, which most autistic people actually don't support because it's known to cause PTSD in children because of how traumatic it is. Um, they're basically trying to change behaviors rather than trying to learn communication. And so after listening to this community, I realized that there was a huge gap in the advocacy and, and sort of the, the needs that needed to be addressed, but that were not addressed by current products because they were forcing something that people didn't actually want, um, but the stakeholders were different. And so through learning about that, I wanted to create a pro-neurodiversity product that enabled people to better communicate across neurotypes, but not necessarily to stigmatize any one neurotype. Because I think that autism, ADHD, neurotypical, all of these neurotypes are equally valid and needed to be equally supported. I love that. I think um, both stories are incredible. Um, something I really realized, it's, it's kind of uh, across both of the startups you started are, you know, um, you, you're listening as much as you're doing. 
Um, you're listening mm -hmm. to what is needed. I mean, it's, it's easy to want to change something instead of just creating tools to better something. And that being the autistic community and how they communicate, I think that is amazing. I mean, perspective is a lot, I think, of what an entrepreneur like needs. And I think us as people, we can always better our perspective by listening more. And I think you listen to what autistic communities want. And I think you're really going to make some change. And um, I'm really excited for you. Thank you. Yeah, thank course. you. I appreciate that. I think listening is, is definitely number one, especially as an entrepreneur entrepreneur we don't need people to force solutions with their biases in mind I think it's really important to decenter yourself when considering the problems of other people if you want to try to help them and not enough people are really doing that in a um, large way yeah no I would totally agree um you know these are big problems that you're solving um so with both balance and hope-hearted what um, are some struggles you've, you've uh, you know, overcame? Um, what have you encountered? What are continued struggles? Um, and yeah, I would love for you to speak a little bit about that because you've had a lot of successes, but I would also like to kind of hear what you've overcame. Yeah, I think there have been a lot of struggles, especially, you know, being a student and having to split my time between so many different things and, and still, you know, stay in school and be successful on all of these projects. I think, um, you know, time definitely has been a struggle in terms of I've been wanting to pour more of myself into everything. And, you know, I'm just one person, so it's difficult at times. Um, but I think beyond that, um, you know, these are both very highly impactful projects that are sort of pushing the advocacy boundaries of where, you know, the dominant society is at. So for Hope Hearted, it's been a struggle to get community members to really care about the health of unhoused neighbors because they don't see that as directly relatable to themselves. But what we've learned in the past year is that the nature of public health and the nature of community health is that the health of one person directly impacts the health of another person. And so, you know, we all have a vested interest in keeping our community healthy and unhoused people are you know, very important community members because they're very transient. And so if they have COVID, a lot of people are going to get infected. And, you know, beyond that, I mean, we need to just recognize the universal humanity of our neighbors and, and want to keep them safe and, and value the collective. And so I think that, you know, even as we've been distributing at food banks and shelters with people who um, seem to be like-minded and seem to care about unhoused populations. We've seen a lot of volunteers and we've seen, you know, directors of food banks even not being super respectful to our unhoused neighbors that we're supporting with our organization. And that's been really hard because, you know, you want to think that everyone has the best intentions and that they want to give back to their community, but we're continuously seeing people that you know, don't value the humanity or the, the human life that is in front of them because they're unhoused and place a lot of judgments on them because of that. And so we've tried really hard to spread advocacy and to carefully select the people that we're working with um, to make sure that they align with our mission. But it is increasingly difficult, especially with a lot of the divisive um, rhetoric that's come around um, unhoused populations in the past year. So that's been a struggle um, for sure. Interesting. Yeah, I think especially in volunteer positions, 
it's you can you kind of get a gamble right because it's like are they trying to build a resume or are they like actually yeah. into this purpose um and i think that's a lot with life right like jobs for example some people just want to check the boxes and they don't necessarily are invested in the company and the well-being and so for you i know it's hard to make those decisions and it's probably hard to even like choose and um interview these folks and be like oh i know that their purpose is with good intention or not and i could see that being a really hard thing to judge <laughs> yeah definitely yeah. It, it's it's not immediately apparent you know it takes time like we were at a distribution a couple of months ago um and the director of the food bank started like screaming at one of the unhoused um, people that came up to receive supplies from us because they were i guess being louder than she thought that they should have been or they didn't follow the correct line um and they just didn't understand they they had a mental illness and were struggling to follow the exact rules of that food bank and she just didn't have any patience for them um and i think that you know we need to take into account the the needs and the abilities of the people that we're helping and really meet them where they're at rather than try to place all these judgments on them that aren't very helpful yeah i like that i think there's a lot of stereotypes especially with people who are unhoused and um, kind of how they've gotten there and people judge them mm -hmm. and they have, you know, these stereotypes that um, we have created as a society that really damage the way we look at them or treat them. And we could do so much better with that. I, I know yeah. people like to assume and, and things like that, but you just don't know what people are going through and everyone's going through something, especially people who are unhoused and yeah. are really struggling day to day to make things meet. Yeah, exactly. It, it seems weird. Like, um, we have a lot of empathy sometimes for people that we know that are struggling and we recognize their struggles, but you don't realize that for someone living, you know, on the street, like imagine the struggles that they must have gone through in their life to be in that position. It's not simply that someone chose one day not to work and then they just decided to live on the street and have to scrape for their next meal day to day. And a lot of the addiction and mental illness that we're seeing is untreated um, in, in unhoused populations, but that's also existing in, you know, the rest of society. And we make room for people who have jobs, who are doctors, lawyers to also be alcoholics. And that's, you know, seen as, you know, sometimes an occupational hazard in some cases, but then when unhoused people are alcoholics or um, addicted to some, then we don't have grace for them. And I think that that needs to be rethought because everyone is struggling with something and we need to have empathy for them and help support them where they're at. I really love that. Um... Kind of just getting a feel from what you're doing and both Valence and Hope Hearted. I'm really learning something about you and it's, it is that you listen very closely, but I also very admire that you're like continuing to grow and learn like through this whole process, right? It's easy to kind of like you're saying, like let your biases get, get in the way of things, but you're, you're continuing to learn about each person and how you could help the community. Um, and I love that. Um, what are some some things you've learned as an entrepreneur or continuing to learn through this whole process? Um, and what has been so helpful for you that you could kind of tell other entrepreneurs listening? Yeah, so I think um, 
something like the most important thing that I've learned is there's so much support out there for young entrepreneurs, especially student founders. Um, and you really just need to know where to look. There are so many people ready to help you um, if you ask them or, you know, they're willing to embrace you with open arms. You just need to find those those places and there are so many different entrepreneurial ecosystems because it's so hard to start something from the ground up and really build an organization and create the values and create all of the things that go along with that and there are so many people to help you um i have been super fortunate to gain or sort of collect a long list of mentors along the way in many different fields um both from the business side the tech side the science side um and just general good people that are really willing to help you know founders and and people that have creative ideas that they want to see come out into the world um, through my own university, I've gained a lot of access to different entrepreneurial ecosystems. There's alumni networks that are really happy to, to help assist you or to give you advice on your career path. And this isn't necessarily for entrepreneurs either. I think students in general don't realize how many people in their little network at their school are willing to help give them advice and guidance on their future careers. You just need to know where to look and every school has it. Um, so I definitely recommend for student entrepreneurs to reach out to those people in your alumni networks on LinkedIn, in different ecosystems, in accelerators, different programs to, to really help guide your development journey because there are a lot of people out there to help you. I love that. Yeah, I think that's a big lesson. I think a lot of people are hesitant to ask, you know, ask for things, but yeah. um, so many people out there are so willing to help. And so I love that advice. Yeah. Um, couple questions before we start ending. Um, so I have a couple questions for Valence Vibrations and then um, Hope Hearted. Um, so you just okay. raised um, your goal, your fun goal for um balance on Kickstarter and I would love to know what's up and coming what should we look out for how can we support you um but yeah I would love to hear a little bit about that so we're really excited we raised our Kickstarter um we funded our Kickstarter we right now we're in the midst of a pilot study actually with 20 people and we are planning um, a couple of different trials to start in 2022 so some of the funding will help be helping us with that it'll be also helping us um, fund software development iterations of our current um MV. so we're working with an ios app right now we also are hoping to spit out an android app and an apple watch app over the summer and so that will be helping us fund those um, endeavors and then also marketing um, to basically create a wait list of users to learn um, when we're launching. We're hoping to launch early 2022 um, but right now we have a bunch of people interested in participating in trials and things like that so that's also helping us expand our outreach. Yeah that's amazing. Okay so how about Hope Hearted? Um, I like, I get really excited talking to you about both of these because first of all, I'm very excited for Balanced Vibrations. I will always keep up with you and check in because I think what you're doing is amazing, <laughs> but Hope Hearted is like another amazing thing. So yeah. what is your vision for, for Hope Hearted for the rest of 2021 and then maybe 2022? Yeah, so for Hope Hearted, we just launched our chapters initiative. So we're partnering with 
different local high schools and middle schools in some cases to expand our reach with Hope Harding. I think we don't want to lose our community grassroots nature because that's really the reason, in my opinion, that we're successful is because we're a community-rooted organization, but we're able to help more of our community with larger numbers. And so we've partnered with 10 high schools so far, and we're creating little chapters of Hope Hearted to help us with fundraising, distributions, and packaging and we'll be able to scale up in the next year. So we're really excited about that. Um, we've just sort of started the chapter initiative in the past month. So really looking forward to seeing how that helps us um, in the incoming year. So far, we've distributed about 2,500 kits and raised about $10,000, but hoping to double that in the next year. That's amazing. Oh my goodness. Okay. Um, so last question. Um, how can people find you? How can people support you um, and what you're doing? And then also your both your projects. Awesome. So Valence Vibrations has a website. It's www.valencevibrations.com. We can also link that in the little chat below. Um, you can sign up to hear about our next launch on our website and sign up basically for our waiting list. And um, you can hear more about me on my personal website, which is just www.chloedeckworth.com. Um, and then Hope Hearted is also linked on that site. It's www.hopeheartedvolunteers.org. And um, you can sign up to volunteer with us. If you're in the Bay Area, you can donate directly on that site. Um, and you can also email us from that site if you're interested in sending us any extra supplies that you might have for our kits. And um, yeah, that's the main way to keep in touch with us. Our social medias are also linked on all of those sites. Awesome. Oh my goodness. I am so excited for you and what you're doing. And I think it's so amazing. I just, I keep giving you credit because it is so incredible. It's a student entrepreneur, like serial entrepreneur, because you're working on multiple projects is so incredible. And I think you're going to make such a big change and you already are. So thank you, Chloe, for being on the podcast. It was such my pleasure to have you. And um, yeah, uh, we'll talk soon and Definitely. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thanks so much. Thanks so much Thanks for having me and have a great day. Thanks. See ya. Bye-bye. If you'd like to learn more about Start, visit strt.com. Music featured in this podcast is by Ditsani and it is her single, Honestly. Take me back to those good old days. Sun on my skin and sunflower fields. Make me feel like I can escape and do what we want. Like every day. Staring in your eyes, broke down my